0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Welcome back to another edition of NFL Reacts. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead. Pride NFL Reacts is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. The Baltimore Ravens lost to the Miami Dolphins on Thursday night football. Brian Flores decided Tua wasn't healthy enough to start the game but Jacoby Brissett had to exit at one point and Tua entered the game and made some plays. Not quite like when he entered the national championship game at halftime, but I like to think that's what Brian Flores was going for. Little, little juice for Tua headed into the football game, even though I'm questioning their plan with his development, but it worked out last night. Also the Rams came out of nowhere and scooped up Odell Beckham jr. And their offense is now looking like it's, probably going to be unstoppable in a lot of ways. So let me welcome in justice Mosqueda of Acme packing co Kate is actually out this week. So it's just me and justice holding it down. Let's start with that Thursday night game. Um, Just when I think I can bank on the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson, we talked on Wednesday's show about how incredible and exceptional Lamar has been this season. And then the Miami Dolphins defense looked like the 2020 defense because they have not looked that good this season in 2021, but they were giving the Baltimore Ravens all kinds of problems last night. Uh, I don't have many takeaways from this game other than I'm probably just not reading that much into it. I think it was just a weird Thursday night
2: football game. The, The takeaway that I came away with it was because we already knew the Ravens' pass defense was bad, right? I feel like we got that confirmed like a month ago they've done nothing to change our mind they were actually um, can't remember who reported it but they they were in the mix for training for Xavier Howard um, at one point and they just weren't able to get the deal done that was a guy that they definitely could have used and it's you know kind of funny considering this matchup and this result in a primetime game but the the big takeaway I have is Baltimore wasn't ready for throwing through pressure looks essentially I mean I don't think that this game was even really that different from like the Kansas City, Green Bay game that, you know, we both ended up seeing this past weekend where, you know, Kansas City just pressured the hell out of Green Bay. Green Bay thought that, you know, hey, we're going to complete some shot plays and we'll get you out of those pressure looks. And what you really probably needed to do is go in a quick game, some zone runs, etc., Um, because you can't complete those deep shots. And, you know, Baltimore, to a certain extent, wasn't completing those, um, you know, at the end of the game, like that second to last drive, like they had like four minutes Uh, on the clock or something like that. Lamar was able to drive him down the field and then he threw that wide open touchdown, but he was able to make some throws then. But at that point it was kind of too little, too late. You know, Um, they probably should have said, Hey, when the corner is eight yards off of our wide receiver on the sideline, we should probably throw that guy a slant. And they just seem to never go into that game plan. They threw a couple of screens. Um, One of them, you know, on third down and long that uh, Hollywood Brown probably could have gotten a first down, but he dropped the damn ball they did weird stuff like very like high school-y type of things to kind of beat the Blitz. Like they would run like speed option a couple times, which like no one else in the league is ever running that play in that situation. Um, So the the Ravens are a unique team, but like you have to have answers for a lot of those pressure looks. And maybe it's because Miami was able to kind of like slow down their run game a little bit and get them in uncomfortable situations on third down, but – you can't play that poorly on consecutive third downs over and over again. I think at one point they were like 0 of 7 on third down. That's just, you can't have that happen in the NFL and expect to win over anyone.
1: Yeah, and the AFC is just weird, right? Like The AFC, it's top to bottom. It seems like every major contender in the AFC has some type of significant flaw. And I would imagine that what the Miami Dolphins did last night is what a lot of teams are going to try to do to slow down Baltimore. So they're inevitably going to have to adjust, but like you look across the entire AFC landscape, like the chiefs couldn't play defense. Now they can't play offense. Uh, The Titans lost Derrick Henry, but they're still winning football games and they just beat the Rams. The Bills lost to the Jaguars. Cincinnati's lost two in a row. One of them was to the Jets, now the Ravens and the Dolphins. Pittsburgh's got Ben, the Chargers can't stop the run. <laughs> like every one of these major teams has some type of flaw. Like the Raiders seem like they're a well-balanced team in a lot of ways, but it's also the Raiders and you don't want to trust them because they have a kind of a mid-season tank every year where they'll they'll start off strong, looking like they're a playoff team, and then they start to slide. Uh, I still think the Buffalo Bills are probably the best top-to-bottom roster in the AFC, but right now I guess the Titans are the best team. I I don't really know what to make of this conference this year. Yeah,
2: 538 right now has their first-round buy projection, so that's like the one seed. There is a 66% chance that the Titans come away as the top seed in the AFC, and that was a team that you know, in the off season, I, I was more definitely more down on just because of how many snaps they had lost, um, just in free agency and stuff. And then, obviously, the first half of the season, they were out their wide receivers; they couldn't cover uh, anyone. And they've gotten through that health stretch, and now they're in a half decent situation, I guess. I mean, they got New Orleans coming up. Houston's going to be a win for sure, and New England, like they can keep up with the rest of the teams on their schedule. I do think the Raiders quietly are like the most well-rounded team in the AFC. I would say them Cleveland and then like maybe new England, but like team speed is such a big deal that I don't know if I want to even say like new England's a well-rounded team when they can't get explosive plays on the offensive side of the ball. But like the Raiders are just coming off of a a bye week. You know, they came off a bye week and they lost to the New York uh, giants. So like, you can't hang your hat on them either. So the the AFC is kind of wide open. I think, Record more record matters more in the AFC more than the NFC in terms of like being able to go on a run, I think, just because home field advantage probably could be, you know, what the sides game. You know, it's gonna be a big style makes fights situation, right? Like if the Chargers get the Titans or the Ravens or The Patriots, there's no way they're going to be able to compete with those teams in the playoffs just because they're going to run the ball down their throat. and There's not anything that the Chargers can do to to get a win. But what a weird conference in general. And it's it really is like wide open where the NFC is kind of like defined, right? Like Arizona's making the playoffs. The Packers are making the playoffs. The Bucks are making the playoffs. The Rams are making the playoffs. The Cowboys are making the playoffs. The AFC, it's like the Titans are making the playoffs. The Bills are probably making the playoffs. And then everyone else, it's like, yeah. you still got something to fight for in November.
1: And that's why, despite the Chiefs having a big time down year so far this season, it's impossible to rule them out because you're still like, well, Patrick Mahomes can turn this thing around and you know get them back into the playoff race. And It's just a weird, weird year. And that brings us to our first NFL Reacts poll of the day. Which team currently in a playoff position in the AFC is most likely to miss the postseason? The Raiders leading the way at 45%, Steelers at 30%, Patriots 16%, Chargers 4%, the Titans 2.5%, the Ravens 1%, and the Bills 1%. I'm a little shocked that the Raiders are number one here and not the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like the Steelers got a good defense, but we know we've seen that offense. Ben, ben just doesn't have it anymore. Like they're not going to be able to put up points in a playoff game.
2: And I don't want to see the Pittsburgh Steelers in a playoff game. Really? Yeah. The Raiders, I I just simply don't agree with that at all. Um, You know, I, I really do think they're probably the most well-rounded team in the AFC. They have the best pass rushing duo, right now and they're a team that sends four so they like lean into that pass rushing duo too so they're not only good at at a specific unit they lean into it and and they kind of use that to make the rest of their defense better i would say if i were making a guess i would say probably the steelers um just because i don't know how sustainable the ben roethlisberger thing is like you watch that that bears game there was one drive where they went down to the red zone there's basically goal line offense and they said all right Let's make, uh, let's make Ben score a touchdown. And they gave the opportunity for Ben to make tight window throws on three plays in a row. And they ended up kicking a field goal because he couldn't complete a single one of them. Um, I just don't think they have a quarterback. And then out of this list, right? So the, the list is Raiders, Steelers, Patriots, Chargers, Titans, Ravens, Bills. My next nominee would probably be the Chargers just because their fatal flaws are so fatal. Like, they're so bad at run defense, and yeah. you look at the stats and they're like twice as bad defending the run as like anyone else in the league. On film, they might be worse than their stats, and that, that's pretty brutal to say. Like that defensive tackle from Georgia that everyone can't stop talking about, uh, Jordan Davis, who's like 330 pounds, the, the Chargers should risk it all, risk it all to move up for him in the draft because if they had a guy like him instead of Jerry Tillery, it, it would make a world of a difference for that team.
1: Yeah, it's a fatal flaw for the Chargers. Like everyone knows, okay, we can just run on this football team and that's all we got to do to beat them. Our next NFL reacts poll, which team currently outside of the playoff picture in the AFC is most likely to reach the postseason? Chiefs leading the way at 48%, Browns at 29%, Bengals at 9%, Colts at 9%, and the Broncos at 5%. I think I pretty much agree with this because I still have faith that the Chiefs can turn this thing around and we'll get to Odell Beckham here in a second, but I'm kind of glad that that saga is over for Kansas city because now there's no excuses. Now you got to figure out what you can do with the guys that you have. There's no other answers anymore because for weeks they were Josh Gordon. Oh, now Odell Beckham's available Deshaun Jackson, Josh Reynolds. Like there's no more answers now. All those guys are on other teams. We got Josh Gordon. He's not a part of the offense. Can't really get snaps. I don't know if that's ever going to change, but the the chiefs have to figure out how to make it work. And just because it's Mahomes, because it's Reed, I, I think I pretty much agree with this poll. I still have a little bit of faith, but I'm not super confident in it.
2: The weird thing with the chiefs is you can see that their, their path to winning football games. You see it on their opening drive every single week. And then they just get away from it. Like it, They just got to lean into it, man. Like teams are treating Travis Kelsey like a wide receiver. If you're going to play that way, like spread them out and at least run inside, you know, inside runs, throw those RPOs, stuff like that. Don't make it Patrick Mahomes hero ball. Like it feels very much like uh, the end of the Mike McCarthy era in Green Bay. um, is kind of like what this Chiefs season feels like where it's like, oh, their defense can't really do anything offensively. They're kind of like a glass cannon and, They just want to play like, you know, quarterback hero ball. And I don't know if you can win like that in the NFL right now. I mean, even look at the way uh, the Ravens treated Gasecki last night. A lot of teams are treating these tight ends who are functionally wide receivers as wide receivers. And that ends up hurting you. And if they're going to go out in light boxes, you got to figure out how to run with just your five offensive linemen and your running back. Like figure out a way how to do it or get a second tight end into the ballgame. Um I would agree. You know, Chiefs and Browns are top two. I would flip them though. I would say Browns are are higher. Just in, I understand they play the AFC North and all that, but I think they're just a more well-rounded team than the Chiefs. Where you're basically at this point just banking on that first drive script and then Patrick Mahomes hero ball. Where I think you know Cleveland is kind of more of a complete team. They can run the ball. They got some stuff going on the defensive side. Certainly uh, more efficient on that end than the Chiefs. So I, I would take Cleveland and then. Obviously the Chiefs second with Bengals, Colts, and Broncos. I'm actually surprised the Colts are still kind of in the race and the Broncos too. I mean, the Broncos were started off hot, then they were left for dead. Then they traded Von Miller. Now it's like, yeah, they're a game away from taking the lead in the AFC West. Weird, weird league. Yeah. I don't have any
1: faith in the Broncos. I, I am with you on the Browns. Um I thought in the preseason that the Browns were set up to have one of the best defenses in football and they've had a lot of injuries, but that defense is finally starting to get healthy and we're seeing what a big difference it can make for them, like as an overall team and as long as that defense stays healthy and they continue to improve, I still think that defense can be one of the best units in football and then they're just not going to put Baker in a lot of bad situations. They want to run the football. They're not going to throw a ton. They're going to, They're going to play it safe and they're really effective at running the football. So I I do like what the Browns are doing, especially if that defense continues to improve our next NFL reacts poll, which team could Odell Beckham jr. Sign with that would make him a viable fantasy option. Now keep in mind, this was before it was announced that he signed with the Los Angeles Rams yesterday afternoon, but no longer fantasy football relevant no matter what team, 38%. The Seattle Seahawks leading the way, at, or Seattle Seahawks with 19%. Raiders 15%, Saints 11%, Patriots 10%, Ravens 7%. And notice that the Rams were not even on this poll because they kind of came out of nowhere. It's. I'm glad the Odell Beckham saga is over because we don't have to be hostages to where he's going to sign now. Cause it felt like we were doing that for three days this week. Uh, it is people that just produce content in the NFL. Like we were, everybody was kind of sitting around waiting. Like is this podcast going to be good still in 20 minutes. Like, is this article still going to be good in an hour? And I'm glad that it's over for that. And I mean, hell, the Rams are a fun team they were already a fun team before they brought him in. And now that passing game looks like it is going to be almost unstoppable. I don't think Odell Beckham Jr. Is going to take any targets away from Cooper cup, who has just been brilliant this season and he shouldn't take any targets away. Uh, But you're talking about guys like Van Jefferson and Robert Woods that might kind of lose some, some, run from Odell Beckham signing. And we'll see. Well, we'll see if, is Odell better than Robert Woods at this point in his career? I think he is, but there's certainly a case that, like, you could say, like, well, Robert Woods is our guy, and we know that we can rely on Robert Woods, and so Odell's just going to be, like, our third wide receiver. But there's plenty of volume in this offense for Odell Beckham to have an impact.
2: Yeah, and I think one thing that Odell brings to the table that, you know, their other two top wide receivers don't have is kind of that long speed right cup and woods don't have bad speed you know by any means but they certainly can't stretch the field in the same way that that odell can at least out of you know traditional looks when they're not running crossers off of play action and stuff like that he's a way different body than cup i don't even think they're like close to playing the same type of position and then robert woods obviously i mean he motions down so much to like the wing and, you know, he, he's catching balls over the middle. They kind of had different skill sets. So I would think that, like, Odell getting on the field would be more like giving those guys breathers and kind of taking more aggressive, like, shot plays, I would say, out of, like, you know, 12 or 21 personnel where they only have two wide receivers on the field. And then giving Van Jefferson some, rep, uh, some rest, you know, reps off of the bench. Which I think would help both of them, right? I mean, if you if you want to run guys' legs, like that's what J- Van Jefferson's game is. You probably don't want him on the field every single play, because then you're just wearing out his legs, especially in an 18 game season plus the playoffs. They seem to want to go into a deep run. Um, by the reports, uh, a lot of the incentives in Odell's contract are based off of you know postseason wins, essentially. So like. The, the game isn't feed Odell. The game is win football games, which I think is kind of what Rams fans would want. So I think that's kind of the situation there. Good fit. I mean, the Rams play as much 11 personnel as anyone else in the league right now. They have very much changed kind of what they do. Um, and they they do a lot in the gun now. Like, this isn't the McVay offense anymore. The big thing I would say is, like, that Titans game was weird. Um, again, I don't think, like, two functional pick sixes is going to happen for like an MVP contender that like you know Stafford is I understand it was on prime time I don't think the bright lights is what made uh Matthew Stafford make that throw I think it was him doing a 360 in the end zone and then just kind of trying to get the ball out of his hand um so it'll be interesting to see how they move down the line but this team seems like they're getting more loaded I mean Vaughn Miller's coming up the pike Odell Beckham Jr's coming up the pike it's going to be tough um Arizona I guess like all right, you you better hope that you win that division because I, I really do think, you know, at this point, unless those teams drop some and, you know, the Packers jump them for the one seed or something like that, if Rodgers can get it back going, that that division might be decided by one game and that one game can decide, do you have a bye week or are you playing on the road in, in wildcard weekend? You know, that's a huge difference.
1: Yeah, and you know, in that division, we are also going to see Russell Wilson make his return this week in all likelihood. So it's a tough division in the Rams. The Cardinals have been fantastic this season. They were dominant last week without Kyler Murray. Uh Murray did return to practice today, so it sounds like he's gonna be able to get back in the game this weekend. And the Cardinals are also a very deep talented team so it's going to be fun to see how that division plays out between these two teams because they both look like absolute powerhouses right now but we got to talk about cam newton cam newton is back the carolina panthers brought back quarterback cam newton they play sam darnold on injured reserve uh with a shoulder injury it sounds like he's going to be out for quite a while there was reports that they were interested in making a move on a quarterback. Uh, no faith in PJ Walker, I guess. And then they brought back cam Newton. So Carolina cut cam Newton signed Teddy Bridgewater for probably too much money. Traded him trade traded for Sam Darnold only to inevitably bring back cam Newton. Kind of <laughs> kind of weird how that worked in the NFL for the Carolina Panthers. But Hey, I'm happy that Cam Newton's on a team. I still think that Cam Newton is a competent starting NFL quarterback. And I like Sam Darnold, but Sam had just been awful. Like he had just simply been awful since the start of the season. And so Cam Newton can't be a downgrade, in my opinion, for DJ Moore, for Christian McCaffrey, who returned last week and looked good. And. Their other skill guys, Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall, whoever. Like, this is an offense that should be better than it has been, and part of that is because of how bad Sam Darnold has been. So Cam should be able to step into this thing and, I think, make a difference. Like, I don't think that the Panthers are all of a sudden a playoff contender. They're going to, you know, have, have this, like, huge rise now that they've added Cam Newton. But Cam simply just can't be worse than Sam had been
2: over the last several weeks. Yeah, and Cam's going to have more skill talent there than he ever had you know yeah. in, in carolina uh, he, his wide receiver one isn't ted ginn anymore so that's always gonna yeah. be nice kelvin benjamin isn't out there the one thing that i will say that's kind of interesting just from like a structural standpoint so the carolina panthers picked up uh sam Darnold's uh fifth year option because he was a first round pick he's still on that same rookie contract the way that fifth year option works is it's guaranteed for injury and only injury Um, he is injured now, but we've seen teams kind of get away from, Hey, we have ownership of that fifth of that fifth year option to then not pay them the next year by kind of like stashing that guy, even in practice situations. Right. Like remember, uh, RG three in Washington is, is the biggest example of it is they had him under contract. They didn't want to cut him because you essentially, you know, on that fourth year, if you cut him, He still costs as much against the cap as, you know, you having him there. So if nothing else, you have to fill in another spot on the roster. So what they ended up doing is they said, all right, this triggers a guarantee only if you're injured at the end of the season. So what we're going to do is have RG3 play scout team safety. I do wonder, like, even when Darnold gets healthy, is he even going to be the QB, two? Because I feel like that's warrant warranting of a question at this point with Cam coming in from outside of the organization has never played with rule before. Um That would be interesting. Cause I think this kind of signifies like, yeah, the Sam Darnold experience experiment is done and he might not even be QB two once he gets healthy again. I know PJ Walker is going to have to be the starter, at least in the short term, you know, as cam kind of learns this new offense and the new verbiage. Um, but that is interesting. And then, the other thing I would say, too, beyond just like, all right, Carolina seems like they are not that confident in P.J. Walker being able to take over, even though I'm a huge P.J. Walker fan, you know, XFL forever. Matt Rule, uh, th- this signifies that the team is looking forward, and that's interesting because James Franklin is looking at, you know, USC and LSU per all reports. Matt Rule, um, there are some people who th- who think that, like, if Penn state opened up, Matt rule might jump ship from the NFL back to the college level. He's like Penn state lifer. um, All of that, you know, he coached, he coached college football at temple. He had been a kind of Northeastern type of guy for most of his career before he went down to Baylor. So that's an interesting situation to watch because there was very real momentum um, per people that I know, you know, who work in college sports that, Matt Rule would have thought about taking that Penn State job if it opens up. Obviously, like three things have to happen before that contract comes across his desk, but it is interesting that he seemingly is looking to the future by getting out of the Sam Darnold contract by bringing in Cam Newton, potentially.
1: Yeah, I I do think that the Panthers are really disappointed with the way this has all worked out. I think You have where, to. They've swung like, on
2: two quarterbacks in two yeah. years, and now they have to swing oh. on a third in three years. Like, and you messed or, up twice.
1: Yeah, like, organizationally, I think they thought, okay, we can compete this year. Our defense is good, and their defense is still good, but they've had injuries. Uh, Shaq Thompson was playing absolutely out of his mind. And then he got hurt and missed a few games and their defense hasn't been quite as strong, but he's back now and they should continue to improve. And they've got a good pass rush. They can give teams some problems and their offense. Like last season with Teddy, it was like a competent offense that could give you some problems that Joe Brady led offense that we talked so much about in this season, Sam Darnold just hasn't been good. He just hasn't been that guy and their offense. Hasn't looked the same. So, if Cam Newton's available on your waiver wire, I would absolutely go pick him up. I think he's going to be a viable option at some point because he simply can't be worse than Sam Darnold. Well, he's going to get rushing touchdowns, too. I mean, yeah, that's the other and thing, we like- and we saw you know last season that Joe Brady made Teddy Bridgewater like a, a competent fantasy quarterback. He wasn't flashy. He didn't give you a ton of points. But, uh, you know, on a bad bye week, like Teddy Bridgewater was consistent and you knew what you were going to get from him. So I think Cam can at least bring that to the table and Cam played with DJ Moore, But this is a different DJ more like DJ Moore is much better now than when Cam played with him before. So I would argue that D- the current day DJ Moore is the most talented wide receiver that Cam has ever played with, probably like cam did not have many weapons last year in new England and that offense was not fun to watch. So I still think cam's got some juice left in him and I'm excited to see how this plays out for the Carolina Panthers. And that uh, that leads us to our next poll, which team currently in the playoff position in the NFC is most likely to miss the postseason? Falcons at 88% Cowboys at 6% Packers at 3% Rams at 1% and the bucks at 0.5%. Uh, yeah, I mean it's the Falcons.
2: Like, it's, like, it's the Falcons barring a them. quarterback injury. Like yeah. barring a quarterback injury. And even then, I mean, we've seen Dallas's backup quarterback step in and win a football game, and they're second on this list. So I, I think the Cowboys, Packers, Rams, Bucks have basically locked in a playoff spot in the NFC, uh, throwing the Cardinals in there too. You know, one of the Rams or Cardinals are gonna end up getting the five seed. But yeah, it's the Falcons in my opinion. And I'm even surprised they're in playoff position right now. I mean, after how bad they looked, how bad their game plan was in week one. um, They haven't really like, if you ask anyone, like what do the Falcons do really well? They still can't tell you other than like, Hey, you know, Correll Patterson has some fun plays and uh, (laughs) Pitts looks like he's going to be a legit guy in the NFL. Um, Pitts like actually might break like the uh, rookie receiving record for tight ends, which is just nuts. That's a position that, you basically can expect zero out of, you know, their yeah. rookie season and Pitts is just looking like an all-star already. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think Pitts and Cordell Patterson is enough to get you in the playoffs. So if I'm betting on one team to miss, it's definitely the Falcons.
1: Yeah. What are the Falcons good at, uh, turning 30 year old running back slash wide receivers into highly productive players. That's getting,
2: the... getting Matt Ryan hit. a lot. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's what they're exceptional at. Uh, which team currently outside the playoff picture in the NFC is most likely to reach the postseason? Seahawks currently at 52%, Vikings at 28%, 49ers at 12%, Panthers at 5, Eagles at 4%. I think I agree with this one as well. I I'd probably have the Seahawks up there at 52%, especially because they're getting Russell Wilson back this week against the Packers and They dug themselves a hole with that Russell Wilson injury, and they were kind of struggling before he got injured. But Russell's a playmaker. We know Russell Wilson is a fantastic starting quarterback, but he does have a tough matchup against the Packers, assuming that Aaron Rodgers actually returns this week. But, yeah, I I think it's got
2: to be the Seahawks even in that division just because of who the quarterback is. It's so tough because they're already 3-5, and and we're so conditioned to thinking, like, you need – at most six losses to make the playoffs. So my brain is still wired like the Seahawks can only lose one game from this point on for the rest of the season. But then, you know, now there's that added game. There's that added spot in the playoffs, all of that. It's weird because they do have the Packers and the Cardinals the next two weeks. I mean, those are the two top teams in terms of standings in the NFC right now. So I guess it's the Seahawks. It's more so like, oh, the realization of like, oh, yeah, one of these teams is probably going to make the playoffs, period, Um, just because of how how open everything is. I mean, it's very weird that on November 12th of this season, there's only one team with a single loss, uh, you know, in the NFL entirely. Everyone has at least dropped two. That's not normal. Right. Like usually right now is when uh, the uh, Miami Dolphins, the 72 Dolphins or whatever start meeting each other and start popping bottles and say, hey, last undefeated, we finally did it. But that happened on a weird Thursday night game early on in the season with the Packers and uh, Cardinals. So I don't know. Everything is so wide open that there actually is a chance for this 3-5 and Seahawks team to step in. And I would say just because of quarterback talent, they have to be the top contender in terms of all the teams, even if they're playing the NFC West. And I think now the NFC West, we're thinking of it as a little less tough than going into the season because it seems pretty clear. The Niners don't know what the hell they're doing at all. So it's got to be them or the Vikings. I don't think the Panthers have the talent. I don't think the Niners have the talent. I don't think the Eagles have the talent. And a lot of that is because of the quarterback situation. Kirk is doing solid for Minnesota. He still is like quietly – the most like consistent quarterback in the league, like Kurt cousins is Matt shop where you look back at the Matt shop numbers and you're like, wait, he was like a top 15 efficient quarterback of all time. How did that happen? And you're like, yeah, it was weird. They had a run game and they had uh, you know, Andre Johnson and, you know, Minnesota's kind of that situation too. They have a run game. They have two wide receivers. We'll see, you know, how the Dalvin cook situation develops moving forward and, If he actually gets criminal charges, that would kind of trigger him being put on the commissioner's exemption list. Um, But as of now, I mean, I think those are the only two teams who have the quarterback who have the talent to actually make the run to push them into the playoffs.
1: Yeah, the Vikings are weird because it's every week they're playing in these games that come down to the final possession. And it's like we we see i mean we see that with some teams every year in the NFL and that's just kind of the way it is sometimes it just doesn't break your way and that could be the difference between you know 12 wins and 7 wins or something like that and that's just basically what the Vikings are. Footballs is, are
2: shaped weird and sometimes it just yeah. takes one bounce of that ball to to change you know if you win or lose and that can decide if you make the playoffs or not. Um yeah, just a weird situation. I will say like just from A personnel standpoint the Vikings keep losing pass rushers Uh, they just got like two more that were injured like Anthony Barr might have to play defensive end for him pretty soon which is like something that people have wanted since he was you know a pass rusher at UCLA but he's never actually been put in the position to kind of do that full time the Vikings are so banged up they might have to do it so uh, I would say like watch the Vikings defense if it spins out of control this week that's something worth noting and maybe something that could uh, give you a hint on this playoff race moving forward.
1: So let's take a quick time out here and uh, we'll, we'll kind of, we'll get into our pick three later on in the show. And then we'll of course uh, discuss what you should do with Brown's running back. Nick Chubb tested positive this week. Uh, there's still a small chance he could play, but we, we aren't really sure on that. Also Alvin Kamara is dealing with a knee injury that nobody knew about. So he
0: might not be available this
1: week.
0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Y'all
2: about get ready to roll, man. Y'all put the kids to bed. I'm betting one more.
0: Over,
1: under, I'm betting on myself. Across the board. Welcome back into NFL Reacts. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined as always by Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. Justice, Nick Chubb tested positive for COVID this week. Browns coach Kevin Stefanski won't officially rule him out because there is still a small chance he could get enough negative tests in time to play on Sunday. But if Nick Chubb doesn't go, then Dearness Johnson is up again. The The waiver wire wonder who saved you on Thursday night football a couple weeks ago is going to get another opportunity to lead this backfield. And Demetrius Felton also on the COVID list, the Browns have no running backs, So it's just D Johnson. They are in kind of a tough matchup against a solid Patriots defense. But if I have D Ernest Johnson, I am putting him into my lineup without question, even in a tough matchup, because you know, the Browns are going to run the football. Like, um, almost more than any team in the NFL, they are going to run and he is going to get opportunities. And those guys are just hard to find right now. So I'm putting Dearness Johnson in my lineup with the utmost confidence.
2: Yeah. And I would say, even if Chubb is back, like inactivity is an actual big deal, right? Especially in COVID type of situations where they don't, if you test positive for COVID, they don't want you running around. You know, they want you resting. They want you being sedentary. Um, Football shape is different than, than just being able to roll out of bed. And and we, we're seeing this over and over again, where even if guys are able to play um, or even if they return after a week, they look a little different for that first week, just because they're not back in like football shape, like mid season shape. The reason we have training camp is so guys can get back in a football shape. There is way different situations than like working out in the off season and being ready to play NFL games. Um, Like Devontae Adams last week uh, talked about, you know, he he spent a week on the on the uh, COVID reserve list. You know, he missed that Arizona Cardinals game. He said that last week against uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, he found himself like walking back to the huddle and kind of being gassed a little bit. And he was like, it wasn't even like a COVID situation. Like he didn't think COVID took a lot out of his body, Um, getting, you know, healthy and recovering from that took a lot out of his body. It was just that week of like not doing anything. You know, so if if Chubb does go from a turnaround where he basically hasn't been practicing all week, hasn't been breaking the sweat, has been just drinking fluids, laying on the bed like he's supposed to, and then has to turn it on for a game. I mean, you could see a situation where Dearness Johnson is still taking the majority of the snaps, I would think. And you would have Chubb on a pitch count or if nothing else, Chubb looks kind of limited and maybe they make a switch, you know, in game and kind of change it up that way. I, I would not bank on players who have not practiced, who are not breaking a sweat, coming into a game on Sunday and, and looking good. That's not what I would be betting on right now.
1: Yeah. Like, I, I think it's one thing if it's Aaron Rodgers, you know, like who. Ha- well, has quarterbacks are different,
2: too. We're talking about yeah, a running yeah. back.
1: Yeah, like running backs. Yeah, I, I am totally with you because running backs take a beating and Nick Chubb gets a lot of carries. And so, yeah, I think that can really affect the way he's able to play on Sunday if he winds up being available. I, I think back to last season. When Miles Garrett was like front runner defensive MVP early in the season, and then he got COVID. And when he came back from having COVID, he didn't look like the same player. And he was honest about it. He was just like, COVID kicked my ass. Like it, it, it messed me up the rest of the year. And I just wasn't the same kind of player. And so, You know, I I don't know how severe Nick Chubb's symptoms are. And, you know, maybe he winds up testing negative enough times prior to the game. But we shouldn't just overlook it like, okay, you can get COVID and then come back after a week of inactivity and still be the same kind of player, because that's not always how it works. So I I do agree with you. I think that's really good strategy uh, headed into this football game. Alvin Kamara all of a sudden is dealing with a knee injury. The saints quietly were working out running backs and then people started speculating. Oh no, is Alvin Kamara hurt. And then all of a sudden this week practice report, no Alvin Kamara Wednesday, no Alvin Kamara Thursday. Uh, I don't know if he's practiced today. We'll probably find out later, but it sounds like Alvin Kamara is dealing with a serious injury that the saints are being kind of quiet about. And maybe that had a little bit more to do with that Mark Ingram trade, Than we thought Um, if Alvin Kamara goes down, I don't want any part of the Saints offense. Like I'm not even going after Mark Ingram because Mark Ingram will wind up being a lead back probably who's going to get a lot of carries, but Mark Ingram just doesn't look like he's the same type of player. He's, he's just not as explosive anymore. He's, he's got a lot of tread on the tires. He's an older running back. This Saints offense. I think if Alvin Kamara goes down, winds up becoming basically useless in fantasy football.
2: I don't disagree. I mean, they're in a really weird spot where, you know, they were able to get some tiebreakers against potential playoff teams. Like week one, they beat the crap out of the Green Bay Packers. Um, But I mean, at the end of the day, your quarterback situation is Taysom Hill, Trevor Simeon. If if Kamara is out for any extended period of time, it's basically just a Mark Ingram show in the backfield. And then the top wide receivers on the team are Marquez Callaway and Traquan Smith. So. I don't know. Um, they're in the playoff hunt as of right now because of their standing, but I could definitely see this. You know, we were talking about how open you know both the AFC and NFC uh, wild card races are. I could see this being one of the teams that kind of sputters out. You know, as as this stretch of the season goes along. You know, if, if that Jameis Winston injury happens a couple weeks earlier, this is probably a team that is a seller in terms of like, hey, we're trading Cam Jordan at the trade deadline and just getting out of that contract, getting something in return for it because we're not winning anything this season. Um, They must have thought they had enough in the tank to be able to push through and get into the playoffs and maybe, maybe go on a run. But as of right now, I mean, backup quarterback, backup running back, talent level, backup wide receivers, right? Michael Thomas isn't coming back. That's tough. That's a tough situation to be in.
1: Yeah, it's not great. Um, You know, Sean Payton is always going to make you feel like you can plug and play a guy. He's going to get somebody touches and he's going to get them involved in the offense. And he has, to his credit, done a good job of that over his entire career. But Alvin Kamara is a really good player. And if Alvin Kamara is down for a significant amount of time or even just this week, I just have zero faith in anybody. Like it's yeah, just a,
2: how how much can you scheme up these guys? Right? Like it's yeah. easier when you have the one guy where at least Alvin Kamara, you have to worry about where he's at, what he can do every single play of every single game. Yeah. If he's out and it's yeah, let's let's say it's Marquez Callaway, Traquan Smith, uh Lil Jordan Humphrey, Mark Ingram, and Adam Troutman out there. What what can you like realistically even scheme up? to get these guys open. If you yeah. know, like a guy like Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill is in the backfield, like short of just going single wing football and basically running like that Cam Newton Auburn offense with Taysom Hill at quarterback. What, what can you do? There, there's not that much. It's stock plays like, okay, we're going to run quick game and yeah. win on 15 play drives. Like how often can you actually execute that and win, win ball games?
1: Like if Alvin Kamara misses a significant amount of time, the lions have more fantasy players that I would want on my team than the saints at this point. That's how bad it is. In Sean, opinion.
2: Sean Payton coached like Pee Wee football that one year, right? When he was, he yeah. was knocked out of the league. I mean, he's going to have to start going back to those plays.
1: Yeah, it's going to be absolutely gross.
2: So hopefully Alvin
1: Kamara is not significantly injured and, and he is good to go this week, but it seems very up in the air and the saints are being really weird about it. So, I do want to talk about uh, surprise running back of the season, I guess, and Cardinals James Conner. he has been absolutely nuts. Uh, Chase Edmonds got hurt on the very first play of the game last week, and then James Conner stepped in and was absolutely fantastic. I think that James Conner is probably the Cardinals' best running back. Like When Chase Edmonds comes back and he is healthy, I think he should kind of take a back seat to James Conner because James Conner is just bounced back. And looked fantastic this season. You know, we saw early on in Pittsburgh that he could be an explosive playmaking back who can be an every down type of guy who could catch passes and rush the football. But his playing style kind of lent to him getting really banged up a lot in Pittsburgh. And then at the end, their offensive line looked so bad and he just looked like he wasn't quite as explosive. And I think all of that stuff kind of worked together and now we're seeing that in a deep talented offense james connor can still be very effective and i think you should be very thrilled if you have james connor on your fantasy roster
2: right now i think that's just a good committee and a good combo of talents that they have in the backfield I, I, it's so hard to like call one of the two backs a starter because their skill sets are so different that like some of that has to be game planned like arizona will be a very Arizona's very weird team in terms of personnel, right? Like against the Packers, they basically didn't play any heavy looks. They couldn't get the Packers in a base defense at all. They just played nickel and dime the whole time in that type of situation. You know, if you're four open, right, no one's attached to the formation at all in terms of like the tight ends. And Zach Ertz is functionally a wide receiver for you. I would get why you would want Chase Edmonds as that type of guy, but we have seen them in other games use multiple tight ends and you know that that is more conducive to kind of like James Conner's play style where he's much stronger as an inside runner where Chase Edmonds is much better as like a guy on the edge you know what I mean so I I think that's more of like a game plan what is the defense giving you where do you think your matchups are than like naming a guy a starter, and that meaning like he's gonna get 80% of the carries in every single game, no matter what the condition is. I think neither of them are talented enough to be like that Pro Bowl type of like every down type of back. And you're seeing this everywhere, right? Like you could look at um Green Bay's another example, right? Aaron Jones just got paid a ton of money. Aaron Jones is a rotational back for the Packers. Um, they they use him. And AJ Dillon and it's based off of situational football, how they deploy them. I, I don't think that's too different from Connor and Edmonds, even if you know they aren't as big of names as like AJ Dillon situationally.
1: Yeah, I, I think they're just a good offense. They're just a really good offense.
2: They can score it's points. Easy. A lot of people are yeah. saying they could score some points.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I still don't have a ton of faith in Cliff, but I mean, hey, Cl- Cliff's getting it done this year. Like, Cliff's talking
2: awkward. crap. Impressive yeah. too. He's like, shouts to the Texans or the Texas fans who can like ha- finally have something to root for with uh, Colt McCoy getting the win. You're like, damn Cliff, the same week that like Texas Tech just fired your replacement and hired a guy who was like a high school coach when you were coaching, uh when you were coaching Tech, like, Uh, Cliff has always had
1: confidence, but now he's actually got a winning record. So winning record, Cliff, is on a whole nother level. He's he's talking trash at the podium. I got a Cliff story
2: I got to tell you off air. Don't let me uh, forget about
1: that. (laughs) All right. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach Bruce Arians did officially rule out Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski for this weekend's contest against the Washington football team. It seemed like that was going to be the case. They just don't seem like they're going to be ready anytime soon. But Chris Godwin popped up with an injury, and now he is listed as a game-time decision. It's a smash matchup against one of the worst secondaries in football in the Washington football team. So Mike Evans obviously going to be in your lineup. I'm curious, Justice, would you pivot to a Tyler Johnson this week in your fantasy lineup with if Chris Godwin winds up not going, Tyler Johnson's going to be a guy who gets a lot of routes this weekend?
2: I mean, I guess that's more of like a "when will we know," right? Situation where if you have to make that move on on Sunday, you know, depending on you know who's already locked in your roster and stuff like that. I did like uh, what Tyler Johnson brought to the table as like a draft prospect. I thought he was one of the more underrated prospects coming out of Minnesota. Um, for for all the stuff PJ Fleck gets, he knows how to coach wide receivers, and Tyler Johnson is kind of a, a high floor. I guess would say like rookie contract type of guy. And he has a decent amount of speed um, to your point. Washington secondary is a mess. They have some players. The it, 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 Washington secondary is so weird because all of their guys can do like one thing. The problem is none of those one things match up with the rest of the team. So everything just looks mismatched. Um, Jack Del Rio, goodness gracious. Like figure it out, man. Like you, you, there's no way you can have this much talent on the defensive side and still have guys out of position. Like, When you have a guy like a a Kendall Fuller who can kind of like play in the slot, he's more of like a man match type of guy. Um, And then you have a guy like Landon Collins, who's supposed to be a drop down safety. This is all like a personnel issue, I think in Washington, because it's not like they don't have talent. It's just that none of the talent fits well with each other. And that should have been something that should have been identified in the summer. And that's not really something at this point in the season that you can kind of fix. So. I kind of think Washington in terms of like competing this year is kind of they they've kind of shot their wad, you know, so to speak. Yeah, coming into the season,
1: a lot of us thought that Washington was going to have one of the best defenses in football. Like the
2: They know, have the- one of the best fronts. Yeah like like you look at their 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 line who they line up on your offensive linemen, it's first round pick, first round pick, first round pick, first round pick, and then off the bench, it's guys who are underrated. And then in the secondary, they have talent. It's just none of them fit together. And then it ends up being explosive plays, guys playing out of position, guys not doing, you know, what fits in their skill set. And that's what's ended up losing them ball games, even if Heineke is able to put up, you know, like league average type of numbers in individual games.
1: Yeah, they, they've been a major disappointment. Like I thought after last season, uh, the, the way they finished the year and looking like that front was going to just be dominant with all the young pass rushers that they had. And defense just hasn't held up. And Kendall Fuller was coming off of like an elite season. Like Kendall Fuller was fantastic last year.
2: And- Those guys can play. Those yeah. guys can play. Every single guy in their secondary right now, if you waived him, They would get picked up by another NFL team and they would get worked in the lineup. The problem is none of them fit together like that. That is the overall problem in Washington right now. And when you have a defensive minded head coach, right, you have a front office that, you know, has had turnover. And now, you know, the coaching staff has more influence on that part of the game. And then Jack Del Rio, who's coached, you know, a billion games as a head coach, is their defensive coordinator. This should have been something that should have been identified and fixed in the off season that I think that's the, the biggest like headache um, of, of this Washington football team situation. Yeah. So
1: I think the answer
2: is I'll give Tyler Johnson a
1: chance. Um, I I haven't looked up his price on DraftKings, but I have to imagine he's dirt cheap, especially in your daily lineups. So with all the injuries they have at pass catcher right now, I think Tyler Johnson's a perfectly viable option this week. He's, he hasn't been consistent. I think it's also kind of hurt him just the depth that they have at wide receiver in Tampa Bay. Like, it's going to be hard to develop and get snaps and get on the football field when you're behind Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin. And, and so, you know, that they've just been stacked at that position. I still think he's shown some flashes. He's scored some touchdowns and made some big plays during his short time in the NFL. I, I think he can make some plays this weekend. He
2: is That's a good it. player, though. He he is talented. Um, He probably... There, was, there were plenty of people who had, you know, second, third round grades on, on Tyler yeah. Johnson. And then for whatever reason, he fell down the draft boards and they were able to pick him up. But to your point, he has been buried. You know, it, it's yeah. it's hard when you have like three guys who are in Pro Bowl contention ahead of you, plus at tight end Rob Gronkowski and OJ Howard. Like, it's just tough to get yeah. the ball in those type of situations. Yeah, and they were, even before his injury,
1: I think Scotty Miller was getting reps uh, ahead <laughs> of Tyler Johnson in that offense. He ended
2: uh, my season. You don't have to bring up Scotty Miller. I, I know <laughs> what he's capable of. Yeah.
1: Uh, before we get to the pick three, I, I want to get your take on this Titans backfield. We kind of saw them take a committee approach uh, in against the Los Angeles Rams. First game without Derrick Henry. Brought in Adrian Peterson. They've got Jeremy McNichols. They signed Deontay Foreman. I kind of want to see Deontay Foreman get some more run here over Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson led the backfield in touches last week, but he looks like he's an old running back who probably doesn't need that many carries per game. Uh, Deontay Foreman looks like he still has a little bit of juice, and we talked about it a little bit on the Wednesday show I just think that this Titans team is on borrowed time a little bit. I I think that they're really good, but I think they're inevitably going to find themselves in a game script situation where they desperately have to throw the football and they're going to try to keep doing this running back by committee thing to fill the void left by Derrick Henry, which you just simply can't replace. Like you just can't replace what he offered you as an individual player. And I don't know what that means for fantasy football. Obviously, I love A.J. Brown. I would like to see this Titans team start throwing a little bit more and maybe actually make Julio Jones an effective fantasy player this season because he just simply hasn't been. But if you had to pick one Titans running back to try to roster the rest of the season, who would you pick?
2: I guess it would be Peterson, right? I mean, I would just say Peterson just because Foreman is a recent signing and he hasn't shown much in the NFL. So I would think Peterson, because he hasn't been, you know, we we talked about conditioning in terms of like Nick Chubb, right? Peterson is just getting back into like, quote unquote, like game shape. Um, I think that they would give him a little bit more burn before Foreman would get the keys. But I did think it was interesting. Foreman got into that Rams game and he looked pretty good. And in terms of being able to replace Henry, I mean, if – if you do have to split the carries and they're able to do the same type of things, I think that they could still do the inside run heavy stuff. And again, the Titans run inside run more than anyone else in the league. They lean into it. They take the punches. They live in physicality. I think Peterson and Foreman that both like leans into, you know, their positive skill sets. The the big question I have is it's third down and long who's in the game. Cause is it McNichols? They used to use blasting game and now blasting games on IR and Blasting Game wasn't going out on routes a lot or anything like that. They basically used him as like a guy in pass protection, but their third down back was a fullback essentially, and now he's on injured reserve. So like, how do they adapt to that? And I don't think, I don't think the Rams game is a good game to make any sort of judgment on this Titans team moving forward, just because of how big those interceptions swung that game, especially early on. I mean, I looked up; I was recording a podcast on Sunday to do the uh, Packers recap. And I looked up, it's halftime 31-3, and I'm like, what the hell happened in this game? And then the whole second half, it was like situational football. So you're already out of like that quote-unquote game script or game flow, whatever you want to call it. So I don't I don't think that this was a game at all that like you can make a conclusion on the Tennessee Titans. I think this game moving forward is probably the one that we're going to look at and say, okay, this is what the Titans look like after Derrick Henry because that Rams game was just so damn weird.
1: You're probably right that it's Adrian Peterson. I just hate that. Um, It's less fun, right? It's less fun. I would like to see Deontay Foreman get some run. Like, he's a super talented college player. He's still only 25 years old, and he showed a few flashes early in his NFL career, but then he tore his Achilles and has just kind of bounced around since then. I, I don't think he's gotten a great opportunity. I still think he's got to have more than Adrian Peterson at this point. Like, I I just feel like he's got to be a better option. I, I really wish Darrington Evans didn't have two season ending injuries in both of his first years in the NFL, because he's an exciting player. I think that I'd like to see
2: a little bit. Well, Here's the other thing. I mean, all these backs are getting eaten up, right? We already brought up three different backs who have gotten hurt for the Tennessee Titans. I mean, when you live in physicality, it's not just that you're, you're doing it to someone. It's also being done to you. So just because Adrian Peterson might be the guy this week doesn't mean that he can't go down with the injury and in two weeks it's Deontay Foreman. All right. We do this each and every
1: week. Let's get to the pick three. Pick me. One, two, three. Pick one.
2: On three. Pick three presented by DraftKings Sportsbook.
1: Pick three is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. So I have to start off this week's pick three by apologizing For what a waste of space my pick three was last week, because it was just atrocious. Not only did I just make bad picks, I gave you two players who wound up not even playing on Sunday. So I really apologize. Hopefully you checked your lineups and you got the statuses ahead of. Sunday's action I tried to be a little bit smarter with my picks this week because I do want to help you guys out and yes I did adjust my lineups as well but I picked Tua last week and then he wound up wound up not playing I picked Devontae Parker and he just went on IR on Sunday I don't know why I don't know why they waited until Sunday to decide okay he's got to be out at least three weeks but you know sometimes stuff just doesn't work out but this week's pick three my quarterback making his return against the green Bay Packers, Russell Wilson. He's only $6,700, which seems like it's a low number for a quarterback of that caliber. I think it has something to do with him coming back from the injury. So I'd expect Russell Wilson's price is only going to be on the rise from this point. So this might be the cheapest you could ever get Russell Wilson into a lineup against the green Bay Packers. I'm willing to bet on, Those pregame two-minute drills Russell Wilson was doing by himself for no reason as to why he could put up some points this week. Obviously, the Seahawks struggling right now. They've got to string together some wins. I think Dangerous is going to come back in a big way. My pick three running back, we already talked about this Browns backfield. It's got to be Dearness Johnson. Uh, it's kind of risky because Nick Chubb could still get cleared, but Justice told you why you should be worried about Nick Chubb getting that full workload like he normally does after a week of just no activity at all. Uh, Darius Johnson's already showed us what he can do with a full workload, and he's only $4,700. Like, you're Like not going to find a running back that's going to get probably 20-plus touches for $4,700. So Darius Johnson, going to be a chalk play this week, but I think you absolutely have to get him into your lineup. And my pick three wide receiver, I'm going back to it. I love Jerry Judy. I feel like he's on the cusp of a breakout game. His snaps are trending in the right direction over the last two weeks. He had eight targets in week nine, led all of the Broncos wide receivers and targets, the Ingles' pass defense isn't special, but they do try to limit big plays downfield. I think that means Jerry Judy is going to eat this weekend on the short and intermediate stuff. He's only $5,300. I absolutely love Jerry Judy. I think you definitely need to get him in your lineup. Justice, your pick three favorite bets
2: of Week 10. I'm going to start with your favorite team. Um, We're going to go uh, short dogs is kind of the theme of this week. Cleveland Browns plus two and a half at the New England Patriots. That is a weird situation because New England, I think, doesn't have enough team speed. They can't get explosive plays. We know that Um, they can beat up on certain teams, right? Like the Los Angeles Chargers was probably the best example of how they can just eat up on bad teams in terms of run defense. Cleveland is probably the most well-rounded team in the AFC, right? We talked about them. And the uh, Las Vegas Raiders in terms of teams that like don't have fatal flaws in the AFC. I think those are the only two that you can hang up. The fact that this is two and a half means that on a neutral field, New England is essentially like an even team with Cleveland. I, I would not say that that's the case right now. I think they have the better quarterback, you know, for as much, you know, crap. Odell Beckham Sr. wants to post on the Internet. I think they have a better quarterback. They have better skill players. I don't care that Chubb, Chubb might be out. We already talked about, you know, your pick three. You have Dearness Johnson. Offensive line-wise, I think they're probably the same. And then defensively, I think they're probably the same. So if this comes down to team speed, Cleveland is winning that one, I, think, I would think. So I'm taking the odds there. My next game, Minnesota Vikings plus three at the Los Angeles Chargers. We talked about, you know, at length how the Los Angeles Chargers cannot stop the run. You know what Minnesota wants to do? They want to run the damn ball. Every single game that they lose, Mike Zimmer says, yeah, we didn't run the ball enough. So I would assume that they're coming into this game plan saying we're going to pound the rock Um, in terms of that defense. I mean, Staley got a lot of uh, a lot of uh, pub, I guess for how he can kind of deploy guys, but he just doesn't have the horses right now. I mean, he has Bosa, he has Derwin. Those guys are very nice, but across the board, he doesn't have the same type of talent the Rams had. And I think, Quarterback wise, I mean, just look at Kirk Cousins' stats versus uh, Justin Herbert's stats. Like recently, I think Joe Lombardi's kind of been holding this team back a little bit. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if you know this this Vikings team was able to beat the Chargers team in both you know the, the passing game and running game this upcoming week. Uh, last game, the Kansas City Chiefs at the Las Vegas Raiders. The the Raiders are two and a half point underdogs at home. That's insane. We're, we're still giving the Chiefs so much credit. Um, if this game was in Kansas City, that would be close to like a 10-point line for the Chiefs. That's nuts to me because I think the Chiefs are the opposite of the Raiders in terms of being a well-rounded team. The Chiefs get one good drive off of the opening script, and then it's Patrick Mahomes' hero ball. He's going to be going against the pass, best pass-rushing duo statistically season long. This was a pass-rushing duo that, you know, after two weeks, they were already up there in terms of the standings. I would have thought, hey, that's probably going to come down. Hasn't. So you have to give credit to the Raiders for leaning into kind of what they're doing. I just think the Raiders are a better football team overall here. And the fact that they're underdogs at home, that that's a stretch to me. Because I'm, I'm not really worried about Kelsey at this point. Tyreek Hill just got like 11 targets for like 37 yards with most of those yards coming on the last true offensive play of the game against the Packers. It's Mahomes' hero ball. And until it stops being Mahomes' hero ball, I'm not going to trust this Chiefs team. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, it's probably a good strategy because Steve Spagnolo is going to put Daniel Sorensen on the field and Deshaun Jackson's going to burn him for a 75 yard touchdown. Oh,
2: Alan Lazard got him on that one. <laughs> yeah. The one play of the game. And it was like, whoop, Alan yeah. Lazard, guy who was told he's too slow to play pro football, just puts him in a bender
1: just has no business being on the football field. But that is our pick three for week 10 of NFL action presented by the DraftKings Sportsbook. Before we get out of here, according to ESPN's Jordan Schultz just tweeted, I'm told Sean Payton and the Saints are preparing a game plan Sunday versus the Tennessee Titans without running back Alvin Kamara. Run, run, run away from the Saints offense if Alvin Kamara does not play in this football game. I don't want any part of it. I don't trust Trevor Simeon. I don't trust Taysom Hill. I don't trust any of those wide receivers. Stay away. Just run away from the New Orleans Saints this weekend. You got no business starting any of those players if Alvin Kamara is not healthy enough to play. So stay away. But this has been another edition of NFL Reacts. Thank you guys so much for listening. We do have to ask that if you like what we do on this show and at the SB Nation NFL Show, Please subscribe, rate, and review everything that we're doing. As I mentioned each and every week, we're in the five-star business here at the SB Nation NFL show. You can follow Justice at, on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me. I wish you nothing but prosperity in week 10 of the NFL season. We'll talk to you next week.
2: Support for this show comes from Fundrise